Welcome to another TMG interview. My name is Paul Preston, talking to a pair of actors from the new film called Scrap, having a great run on the Film Fest circuit. I like nothing more than stories from the indie film scene, from the trenches. So let's talk to Vivian Kerr and Anthony Rep. <laughs> now, Vivian, you're also the film's writer and director, so you're certainly more qualified to tell people watching or listening to this what the film is about. So have at. Sure, Scrap is an intimate family drama about a brother and sister, sort of in the vein of You Can Count On Me or uh, The Skeleton Twins with um, Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig. Uh, I sort of am calling it a dramedy now because now that I've seen it with audiences, they laugh a lot more than I thought they would. So and now I'm calling it a dramedy, I think. And yeah, it's about um, these siblings who are hiding secrets from each other. Uh, the sister, Beth, my character, is has recently been laid off and is living in her car and hiding that from her older brother, Ben, and he and his wife, Stacy, are going through their second round of IVF and really struggling with infertility. Yes, you did better than I would have done describing. <laughs> Very nice. But let's talk to, uh, to you for a second, Anthony. The, one of the cool things about Phoenix Film Fest is that I saw a number of recognizable faces in all the shorts and features, mm -hmm. including Eric Roberts. I saw Jackie Hoffman, Greta Lee. And uh, now Scrap isn't a franchise like Star Trek or like Law and Order, which I know you've also appeared on, but you started in indie films way back in like Dazed and Confused, but what about the indie film scene draws you back continuously and what specifically drew you to scrap? Well, what draws me to indie films, you know, good indie films is uh, authenticity, uh, you know, the sense that everybody who's working on the film cares about the story they're telling. It's not just about cashing a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with cashing paychecks per se necessarily, but you know, you, it's, it requires a level of commitment to make it happen. And so I really love that. Um, and yeah, my best experiences of making films have been the indie films that I've been a part of, that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of. So um, all of that felt like it was really happening with this, when I read the script of Scrap, it's like the kind of, it's the kind of work that I am drawn to because it's, you know, it's trying to tell the truth, but in a complex and subtle way. It's not, you know, it's not like a, you know, I get I get really annoyed when I see films and people are trying to be too hard to trying too hard to be clever or trying too hard to be like slick or, you know, that kind of stuff. And this just felt real and raw and alive in a way that um, I, I'm very honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I sat in on a uh, on, as an actor on an actor panel at Phoenix Film Fest where Scrap just played. And that's what I told people interested in acting. It was like, just lean into and tell the truth. You know, whatever format you're on, whatever uh, acting method you bring, it's all about the truth. And yeah, they certainly gathered that more in the indie film world. Absolutely. Uh, now, speaking of Phoenix Film Fest, Vivian, you won the Best Performance Award. You got to you got to update the IMDb page. I was just there. So <laughs> yeah, somebody get in there and get that. Oh, done. yeah. Yeah. I got to add it. I know right now I, you know, we came back and it was such a, a whirlwind of a festival. Um, I think I'm still recovering a little bit from it. But yes, we will get that updated sure soon. <laughs> now you were on the first time filmmakers panel which I attended and that morning I was sent an Instagram or I came across an Instagram post that said it's super dark but it's very funny when I die I want the people I've done group projects with to lower me into my grave so they can let me down <laughs> one last time dark right but <laughs> that's really funny but really funny right so that led to the question I wanted to ask and and which was how do you delegate how do you, I mean, how do you even more so perhaps keep yourself from micromanaging when, you, especially in a first project? 
I mean, I don't know because my instinct is to micromanage. Like I'm a type A. Me too. Yes. You know, <laughs> I am, you know, I am just a, you know, a few brain cells shy of, you know, Tracy Flick in an f- election. I'm quite like, <laughs> I'm just very, very type A. So, but uh, that's why acting has been such a wonderful career for me because it's taught me so much about relaxing into myself, not being able to control things, um, leaning into curiosity. So I think I've just sort of taken what I learned, how I learned to sort of be a better actor and sort of I'm trying to apply that to directing, you know, find people that you do trust, prep with them. I mean, we had an incredible DP on Scrap and he and I prepped for months, you know, so that we were so clear on the shot list. He knew my mind completely. And again, it's the same thing that how I approach acting, like prepare, 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 then throw it all away and then see what happens. so I, I'm trying to kind of bring that same mindset into directing, although it's not quite throw it away and see what happens, but, um, you know. You have, have to pivot a, sometimes, oh. right? Sorry? You, you have to pivot sometimes though, right? I mean, as much as you prepared, you still have to go, whoop. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's that it's, and I think the preparation gives you that ability, gives you that flexibility. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's just finding collaborators that you trust, you know, finding two or three people at the center uh, who, whether that's, you know, your production designer, your DP, your producer, you know, if you have like this inner core of people that you trust and you're all truly on the same page with what we're trying to achieve every day, um, then it doesn't need to be, you don't need to be running around micromanaging. Good for you. I still would be like, can I just look in the screen real quick and just, you know, see everything. Uh, but anyway, obviously the results are there. And you mentioned also, the DP. Happy too. accidents too. Like Anthony, there oh, were yeah. so many moments where like you would do something on set and I don't know, like you look at an actor's performance and you're like, oh, that's really cool. Okay. Let's make sure we adjust sort of the framing of this. Or let's make sure we, mm. we uh, I want to, you know, let's invent a new setup to make sure we get that. Cause that moment is shaping up in a way that's really special that we didn't anticipate or I didn't anticipate. So, you know, being able to like, let the actors, let the actors performance shift things on the day too. That's really exciting for me. And we did a ton of that on the um, the second film I just shot. Yeah, good for you for being open for that. But you mentioned the DP twice. So let's get a shout out by name because the opening of this film, if I don't know if you've been told in interviews or reviews, reminiscent of Woody Allen and Manhattan specifically and Midnight in Paris. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it's certainly those films set you up for the tone of Manhattan and Paris. This sets you up for the tone of LA and the kind of world that Beth is going to find herself in. Um, so how, yeah, does that, do I have that right about how it works as yeah. a setup or is there anything else in that montage you want to tell us about? Yeah. So also I'll shout out. So his name is Marcus Mentzer. Um, he's an incredible Los Angeles based DP and he, was you know very patient with me um, since this was my first time as director. Obviously, I had like way more questions. Like I wanted more more of his time too, and he was very generous. Um, and uh, yeah, and then obviously the opening of the movie it is sort of a playful nudge to kind of those Woody Allen esque openings, but in a way that's a little bit like um, I mean I guess a little bit not making fun of it. I don't know if that's quite right, but you're sort of it it isn't real right because all these sort of hyper-saturated images are really what Beth's like dreaming about, you know, when she wakes up in her car. It's like her her idea for like that she thinks um, her version of Los Angeles is almost going to be like La La Land, you know, everything's like very hyper-saturated, <laughs> yeah. like an MGM musical. And it's like, not like that at all. And so kind of the journey that she goes on 
throughout the course of the film is like letting go of that delusion and like facing up to uh, her own responsibilities and the reality of the city in which she actually lives um, that has these homeless encampments that has like real problems that need fixing. So maybe maybe it's um, maybe it's a little bit making fun of what you <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, no, it is beautiful things, but look what's underneath that you don't see if you don't look closely. Yeah. And your film does, and we get Beth, warts and all. And Anthony, so your character is essentially a saint in dealing with it. Like in my personal life, I've actually even go into films, like watching a film about a character who just, I don't understand why all the people in the movie aren't just tossing this person to the curb and be like, what this person is not worth the story. So it's a testament to how good Scrap is that I stayed in there and I was actually rooting for Beth, who just continually disappoints and lies and does all this <laughs> stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm not wrong. Right. I think. And yeah. Anthony, so, but your character, how do you play? that character with you know who is who continues to still give her the time of day and do either of you have someone like that in your life you know not like the dp where you don't have to name names but i i've had them and i just you know time short i had to cut some people out of my life but how about you guys um uh, well first the first part of the question um you know i, I think ben will never be, i don't think ben would ever be able to cut her out because you know he was left with her as caretaker when their parents died sure. and so that i think that sense of responsibility is just so deep and and entrenched and and profound um so i just don't think he would ever have it in him to to cut ties <laughs> no that's and, a great conceit for the story by the way yeah that i don't share i don't have anyone yeah like that. but you tie it into family like that yeah yeah absolutely i think that's a big big thing of it um i do have a friend who uh you know i've known since i was 11 who has had so many drug and alcohol problems and at a certain point um like kept getting sober kept not kept getting sober and at a certain point it was just too painful to, for me to continue to go to the well and hope that it would a new day would have dawned and then you know it's the kind of person when he when he does get drunk or high like completely becomes a, a monster so i just had to go i can't i just can't be i can't be around i love you i wish you well but i just you know that was that's really the one of the only people that i've really had to do that with but it was really hard yeah so with ben you get that win of sorts which is yeah really cool. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, Ben also has Stacy. I mean, that's a huge, I think she's an enormous balancing presence in his life. Like, a huge, <laughs> um, he can do all of his like caretaking of her, but she's also so strong for herself that she kind of doesn't need the caretaking, but she can still accept it. So it's a little, I think it's a much healthier dynamic than like the kind of caretaking to Beth who doesn't who needs it but doesn't want it but you know like it's just it's it's more fraught between them there's another rich character your 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 wife in the yeah in the thing so let me ask you this then um as I mentioned at the top I like stories from the trenches do either of you have some about like a barrage of being told no or weather or scheduling or something because any films always hit that wall and then you gotta as you said pivot uh, move around, do something different to get the film done. What uh, what sort of was trying to block you, but you beat it? Yeah, was there anything for you? I <laughs> mean, it seemed like everything went. Everything seemed like everything went. Well, I, I can add a little. I can add a little context. <laughs> oh, um, 
we actually did get really lucky. I mean, I would say there was a little bit of a challenge where um, uh, it's in some scenes we needed to have a, a body double for our oh, yeah. actress. So making sure that those like shots matched. Um, so, you know, there's a scene in the movie where um, they come into the bedroom, um, Ben and Stacy's characters, they come into the bedroom uh, to wish her happy birthday. And I never thought we would get away with this where we, when we're shooting them coming through the door with like, they have like a muffin with like a birthday candle on it. And they're sort of singing her happy birthday. We shot that on um, one day. And then the reverse of the little girl sitting in the bed and blowing out the candle, we shot that on another day. And I was like, I was, I remember thinking like, there's no way we're gonna be able to get, get this together. Like, there's no way it's gonna work. And our editor did an incredible job with it. And I, first time I saw it, I was like, I cannot believe that we've gotten away with this. They look like they're in the same room, you know, on yeah. the same day. Yeah. That's Let's funny. get the name of that editor too, because uh, yeah. I, I don't like the term below the line. Let's kick him above the line. What do you got? Yeah, he's extraordinary. His name's Toby Yates. Um, his father actually was, um, Peter Yates was a very famous director oh, who directed yeah. Bullet. Yeah, and Toby's had a really incredible long career as an editor, um, which again, I, you know, I got really lucky on my first film to have all of his experience and to be able to learn so much from him. Cool. And now you, Anthony, you were in the short film that was a kind of proof of concept short that eventually garnered acclaim as well and had a festival run of its own. So what did you two have to do to make that into the feature? Um, uh, any of the story make it into the new one? Did Was there new acting challenges brought in for you, Anthony? What was the transition like between short and feature? It felt pretty seamless in terms of the, the, the seeds that have been planted in our, in our dynamic and, you know, the, um, all that. I didn't have to do anything except show up <laughs> in terms of making the feature happen. Um, that was all, that was all Vivian and Rachel and all the people making the feature happen. And I, and then I just like, Oh, I'll go to LA and make the movie. Sure. You know, <laughs> but yeah, the, the rhythms between us, I think were nicely established in the short and then we got to expand on them in the future. Yeah, I mean, I wrote the feature with him in mind because, you know, I thought we had such great chemistry working together on the short. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I think like anyone, right, for any indie film, it'll just be like the money, right? It just takes a long time to get financing. Even a little bit of the small, you know, budget that you need for a film like this it just takes a really long time. Well, if you want to read more about Scrap, you can go to themovieguys.net. Uh, Ray Scalacci, a longtime friend of Phoenix Film Fest, has been writing me since writing for this website since I met him in 2014. And uh, he loved the film and put up a great review there. So you can check that out. And of course, follow us on social at the movie guys everywhere. And we'll keep you updated as to how the film makes its next transition from the film fest run to where everybody can see it. And with that, uh, let me ask a question. I ask everybody who I interview related to nothing. What is your favorite movie of all time? Whoever would like to take this in whatever <laughs> order. It's always hard for me to say one. Um, one of them, like formative years, I sh when I was really falling in love with cinema, is Eight and a Half by Fellini. Oh. Um, but of more recent years, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, I still haven't seen that. Is that the most radical Best Picture winner perhaps ever? It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, maybe and the way that it's that. made some people angry. Some people are so angry at that movie, which I don't understand because yeah. it's so full of joy anyway. And and kick-ass action scenes. If you don't yes. like joy, there's that, you know, but yeah. I like it all. So yeah, that's great. Uh, Vivian? 
Oh, geez. Um, I, I don't, I do not have a favorite movie. It's so impossible to me. It's like, you know, I like all the ice cream flavors. Um, I truly do. like Because it's ice cream. Yeah. Uh, it's ice cream. Um, except like the weird ones. Um, but yeah, the, I guess. Everybody the, cheats, by the way. They always say five or six movies or they. Yeah. Like uh, my favorite is Raiders of a Lost Ark. But you put in The Princess Bride right now. I'll go, I think that's the greatest movie I've ever yeah. seen. I, I guess <laughs> so, I like one movie that I remember watching on VHS with my sister, like over and over and over again when we were kids was um, Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing. Like that, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I was already like a huge Shakespeare nerd, but like that ensemble, the design, you know, I mean, it, I loved everything about it. The score, oh, the Patrick score. Doyle's score was I mean, just, crazy. You know, the, uh, all of it, you know? So I think the, those actors like, um, God, like Emma Thompson, Denzel Washington, their performances in that, um, Michael Keaton. I mean, it was like, you know, Think he's in it uh he robert is, sean uh, leonard is that young kate beckinsale yes you know, i know like, they're, ba- they're like act. babies yeah. um but that movie i remember watching over and over and over again and so it you know it, it helped continue to encourage my interest in theater and shakespeare um in sort of ensemble acting and in sort of like the visual storytelling of film so i i still have a very very soft spot in my heart for that movie all right well uh vivian give us the plugs where can people find out more on social media or the internet about scrap uh, best place is scrapthefilm.com and then we're on social media at uh, at scrap the film all right thank you both I appreciate it and get out there and uh, continue a great festival run thanks thank Paul. you